Earlier this year, we were all sent home to flatten the curve, but they told us to keep working. So we connected from home, and lo and behold, we were pretty good at it. All the news stories said we'd proven we could work from home. No more commute, no more work clothes. A little-known app named Zoom went boom, and we were actually more work productive, right? Today on Stories and Strategies, exploring the medium and long-term effects of working from home. Maybe we've all been living on a prayer. My name is Doug Downs. Parody music off the top with lyrics by Rick Polito, vocals by Ashley LaRue, and most importantly, original music by John Bon Jovi, Richie Sambora, and Desmond Child on the Mercury label, Living on a Prayer. My guest this week is Professor Nita Chinzer, an assistant professor of human resources at the Department of Management at the University of Guelph in Ontario. Professor Chinzer, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And you're joining us from Toronto today. How are things in Toronto? It's another muggy work-from-home day today. And hopefully a productive work-from-home day. Always. Good. When we, uh, when we were all sent home in March of this year, the first stories that came out in the media boasted how even more productive we were in working from home. Is that still the case several months in here? And if not, why not? Right. So when we first worked from home, a lot of us did hit a period of peak productivity. Part of that was driven by fear, fear that we wouldn't have jobs tomorrow, so fear for job security. Some of that was driven because we were reallocating time that we had spent teleworking into uh, actual performance-based activities. And the research does show that we are more productive when we're working from home, but all of that research is about short-term working from home and working from home that's voluntary. The big mass movement and the uniqueness of our situation in March was that that working from home was no longer voluntary. It was enforced, restricted working from home. People were working from home with children at home. They were working from home at the same time their spouses were working from home and often with very limited support for technology. And I have some friends who were using ironing boards as desks. So (laughs) physical space was also quite unique. And that element of choice is missing. And this mass movement may not have the long-term effects on productivity that we're used to seeing in the short term. Okay, so this is a, your first chance really to, to study this, what it means to people. Do you think gradually we're going to stay productive or do you think that will start to fade away and we'll become less productive? I think that it will vary on a number of personal and professional factors. So on a personal factor level, we do have people who are introverts who are absolutely thriving in this environment. And then we have people like myself, and I suspect you as well, Doug, that are raging extroverts, and we really do need that social connection. In the short term, working from home means that we have more of an opportunity to focus our efforts on the work that we're doing, the tasks that are on our plate. But in reality, there is a large part of our work that's contextual. 
that's about making innovation, meeting people, that's about advancing and, and developing ourselves. And that part we've been missing now for over 120 days. And that part is the part of us that really drives meaning from our relationships at work. We have work isolation now in exceeding numbers and a higher rate of burnout and stress that is at unprecedented numbers. Mm -hmm. And I've heard it said we're herd animals. We might be missing the herd. Do we have any idea who is more likely to um, have more productive success working from home? Introverts versus extroverts? You, you alluded to possibly introverts. Older versus younger, and dare I say it, um, from the studies you've seen, men or women? Well, the interesting thing when we say, when we talk about gender, is that this has really been a point where the gender divide has become more evident. So studies in Canada show that men are 10% more productive working from home and women are 4% more productive. And a lot of that has to do with the traditional systemic belief that even with or without children, women are still responsible for more of the household activities. And so we have places where there are professional women whose housekeepers are no longer available, who can't outsource childcare, who cannot do those things. And that responsibility has fallen increasingly on women, even at equal education levels, equal positions, equal posts. So we do know that there is a gender inequity that has been highlighted. And the long-term repercussions of that are really critical to our future of work. The other thing we know is that the privilege of working from home is actually limited largely to knowledge workers. So we're talking about people in accommodation, sorry, people in information, communications, technology, education, accounting, professionals, and it's generally those who have higher levels of education because the work they need, the tools they need to do their work uh, is the computer, the internet, their brain, Skype. We aren't talking about those people who are working in accommodation and food services and retail and aviation. Those jobs don't have the option to work from home. So depending on your industry, your education level, and your occupation, the privilege of working from home is more available to some people than others as well. And that's a great point. So if you're a leader of what I would call office workers, for lack of a better term, those who can at least explore the idea of working from home, how do leaders respond to this uh, potential mass shift in location of where the workers are at? Yeah, I think that leaders have to really step up. There has been no, um, no time in which what you say and what you do is being scrutinized more for leaders than right now. And I think that that means that leaders need to remember that there's formal and informal advancements in what they do. If we set up a formal rule around uh, taking your vacation when you need to, taking sick days off when you need to, and the leaders don't practice that, they don't demonstrate that themselves, they're sending out messages on the weekends, then that may be something that can create a blending of work demands for employees. It might create role conflict, it might create some stress for them. So leaders need to model the appropriate behaviors. The other thing that leaders are really trying to do at this point, at least from the HR executives that I'm speaking to, is shift from performance management, which was this idea that we'd evaluate performance year-end or every six months, to more of a performance coaching. And that means that we're opening up the dialogue to say, are you achieving your goals? And if you're not, what obstacles are in your way? Let's remove those obstacles. And these can happen weekly, monthly, informally. We're looking for more of an organic relationship now with our leaders than a formal one.
My gosh, that that almost sounds like we're shifting from hard skills to soft skills of I character, or at least a greater influence of of soft skills. Am I characterizing that right? Well, it's the great differentiator. We know that we have accountants who are very good at their job, teachers who are very good at their jobs, pilots who are very good at their jobs, but the difference between the ones who are successful and the ones who aren't are the ones who are able to apply themselves, the ones who are motivated, the ones who are taking initiative and building collaborations. Those are all the soft skills. Critical success factors for work include a baseline of knowing what you need to do for your job, but also that growth that is the soft skills you're talking about. Mm-hmm. From the worker's perspective, whether it's mandated for health reasons or just because so many of us have had a taste of it, there is no denying a large portion of the population is going to like this concept of working from home. If we need to change our management style, do we need to change then how we hire? What I mean is the typical interview led by human resources is a fit interview now. Mm -hmm. If a portion of the office workers is now going to be working from home, it seems to me um, fit is perhaps not quite as important as not the right term. Perhaps the fit is a different fit. You're right, 100%. So we saw a pivot happen about 10 years ago where we started hiring people for the job and we were looking for person to job fit. And then we realized, wait a minute, people aren't staying in their jobs for that long. They're moving, they're pivoting, their role is expanding. So we started hiring people based on person organization fit. Last year, I was lucky to get the Emerald Literary Award for the best research in education and teaching. And that award was really around what employers specifically are looking for. And when we looked at what employers were looking for, GPA was irrelevant. Even in spaces where people had equal subject matter, there was the subject matter expertise. There was a big push towards things like professionalism, things like time management, self-regulation, continuous learning. So when employers are saying that there's a baseline of workers who have the same general skills, who are we looking to promote? Who are we looking to hire? Who are we looking to have as leaders in our team? They're looking for professionalism, time management, self-regulation, continuous learning. They're looking for those things that really differentiate you from the herd. That's going to take a long time to shift. I have this image of the Titanic and how long it took to shift to avoid the iceberg. You know what's weird, though, is that we think it's going to take a long time to shift, but with the unemployment levels as high as they are, employers are really in the driver's seat. So employers have their choice. If I'm looking for someone, let's take a job where, um, you know, maybe uh, where they need a certain certification, someone who's ISO certified. I may now get 10 possible applications who all meet the minimum requirements. And that as an employer for me gives me more ability to start pushing for those unique things I'm looking for. So I think that the, the market is causing a shift where employers have more power than employees. 
Let's shift to talk about boards and corporate leaders. And I know you work with boards and, and uh, senior corporate leaders. How do corporate boards develop their business plans in the wake of COVID-19? Should they shift to short-term priorities or layer short-term priorities on top of how they're looking at things longer term? And how do leaders actually continue to be seen as leaders? They used to just be able to walk around the office and have coffee and shake hands. How do they do that now? Leaders are visionaries. They're forward thinking. They're accountable for internal and external audiences and effectively communicating solutions. And what we're finding leaders are struggling with more and more is being able to communicate to the masses. So they're really struggling with the ability to communicate with their stakeholders, as well as their investors, uh, the market, and their employees all at the same level. But the difference between a successful leader right now and those who are struggling is the successful leaders are being honest and transparent. One of the things I've seen in the roles that I'm on with various boards and with the governance professionals of Canada is there's been a bigger push towards scenario planning where leaders are saying that we're unsure about the future. So here's the best case scenario, the worst case scenario, and then the most likely. And they're setting up that communication with their stakeholders to say that we might in fact lose a quarter million dollars, we might gain $600,000, or it might be something in the middle. And they're being quite honest about that as opposed to a couple of years ago where you know they were targeting very finite numbers. The other thing I've seen leaders do is step out of their comfort zone more and more. I'm seeing them join webinars and try to stay current. I know very early we were all glued to our TV when Trudeau was on or when the government officials were on giving us the new restrictions. And now that's happening less because we're trying to figure out how to internalize the changes. So we're seeing AGMs as less of a leader speaking to the audience and more of a collaborative panel session. We're seeing more individual conversations and we're actually seeing leaders uh, step out to also reward and thank their employees for making it through. And that thankfulness makes us feel like the efforts that we're doing are actually worth it. Wonderful. Less, less talking at and more engagement. Yes. Um, more engagement, but also the world around us right now is so thankless. It feels like what we're doing, we're not sure if we're in the right path. We, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's micro stressors. And someone reaching out to say that, yes, I'm also feeling that stress. Yes, I'm also uncertain about the future. Yes, the work you're doing, it might not have the pro results today, but I appreciate the efforts you have. Makes us feel like we're part of the collective. You brought up something a few minutes ago. I'd love to end our discussion on that note. We're coming at this from the so-called office workers perspective, but that truly is a, a position of privilege. Not everyone is an office worker and the world isn't going to shift uh, in this way uh, for so many other people. You're 100% right on that. And in fact, office workers are the ones who are speaking from the point of privilege, who are confused about what the world of work looks like. But we can turn around and take a look at other environments and learn from their experiences firsthand over the last four months. So we know uh, emergency services, police, fire, we know farm workers have had a lot more uh, risk of exposure, medical, healthcare workers, delivery people, there's all these workers right now who are struggling on the everyday. And they've learned along the way and they've adjusted along the way. So earlier when we were chatting about leaders trying to find collaborative opportunities, they're looking for the organizations that have already gone through the grind and saying what worked for you, what didn't work for you. And the conversation right now, it's been really interesting. A lot of my friends are um, HR speakers or consultants, and they say the market has dried up. 
because everyone is sharing information freely. There has been a massive exchange of free information, free webinars from HR lawyers, free webinars from HR professionals. And with that freedom, what we're really doing is creating this really interesting subculture of collaboration that I think is very helpful. Yeah, it sounds so democratic, doesn't it? Uh, it sounds so collective. It sounds <laughs> in this together. It's us versus COVID, right? Perfect. Thank you so much for your time today, Professor Chinzer. It's been a pleasure. If you'd like to send a message to my guest, Professor Nita Chinzer, you can email her at chinzer at uoguelph.ca. And chinzer, by the way, has a double H in it. So it's C-H-H-I-N-Z-E-R. Now, you also have a new website in development, right? That's right. It'll be going live on Saturday. So by the time we post, it'll be up. Um, it's interesting because I use that for also a lot of the media pieces that I'm on. So I've done webinars and I'm on navigation groups for COVID and I've done like 30 media pieces in the last three months. So it's a good place to find up-to-date research. And the website is, we'll put it in the show notes, but it is your name, nitachinzer.com. Correct. If you liked what you heard today, we're hoping you choose to subscribe to Stories and Strategies and receive updated episodes automatically. We're also hoping you choose to follow and rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts or whatever directory you're listening on. And would you do us a favor? Would you recommend this podcast to one friend? If you have an idea for an episode or you just want to tell us something, send us a note at info at jgrcommunications.com. Thanks for listening.